This is Healthy Homes Podcast, a brief encouragement in your week to prioritize the relationships in your home. Thanks for listening. Welcome to another episode of Healthy Homes. I'm Pastor Luke, and today we are going to do part two of the uh, series that we started last week, just a, just a two-parter. Um, last, last week we looked at the first half of a talk that I gave on healthy marriages, and today we're going to listen to the rest of that recording. So these are a little bit longer as it was an hour-long talk, and it's broken up into two half-hour uh, sessions for the sake of this podcast. But um, uh, hopefully uh, you're finding a lot of very practical uh, tips and, and, and resources and strategies and encouragement. Um, last week, there was a big focus on the theological design, God's intention for marriage. This week, it's going to get um, a lot more practical as we start to talk about um, conflict resolution, communication, intimacy, uh, things like that. So um, I hope it's a blessing to you. And... Here it is. It's not about the nail. Every time I watch that, I just laugh because I see my marriage on that couch. <laughs> oh, man. Let's talk about why that's the case. Why we find humor in that because we know that that's true. Guys, when, when we tend to talk, we tend to view talking as a means of accomplishing a task. When I talk, I talk I talk for a purpose. There's something that needs talked about. So when Lisa asked me, Luke, how was your day? My response can very easily be normal. End of conversation. And I'm sure not because I don't want to have a conversation with my wife, because, but because it was a normal day. There is no problem that needs addressed. There is no matter needing attended to. There is nothing that needs to discuss. There's no problem that I have at work or, or conflict that's going on. And so there's nothing that I need to talk out with her. It was a normal day. Do you need bogged down with the details? No. Come on, who wants that? And so the guys... We're, we're going to come back to that last, that fourth bullet point. So there's nothing that needs discussed. Ladies, and I'm speaking in generalities, so please forgive me if this is not you, um, but generalities exist because they're generally the case. Ladies tend more often to view talking as a means of bonding. Husband, Lisa, how was your day? Wife responds, da, da, da. Every detail. And dear friends, it looks drastically like yesterday's details. And yet I'm getting them again. <laughs> and the wife, oh, my dear beloved bride, oh, she does complete me. She spares no detail because talking is a way of sharing her life with me. I don't always appreciate that. Oftentimes, I can see her just, I, I can just perceive more details coming at me that I already know I can probably finish the story for you. But when my wife, what I need to remind myself, and fellas, what we need to remember about our wives 
is, is when she is sharing every single detail with me, it is because she loves and she values and she wants to share life. And if these are the details, and if these details look the same as yesterday's details, whatever, it's because I'm here to communicate with you, to share life with you. And so, coming back to the third points on both of those, because we tend, to be look, we tend to look at tasks, we tend to, that's why work can be such a difficult vice in our lives as men, because we look at our accomplishments, and if they're not there, we feel lessened. Our identity is often bound up in what we are able to accomplish, what that paycheck is, if we're able to ever have, have that lake home, uh, if we're able to, to excel in a position, we tend to look at those things. So oftentimes, we are wired to desire encouragement. To hear from my wife, you're doing a really great job and I'm really proud of you. Man, when Lisa says that, I'm ready to get back at it the next day. When I hear respect, hmm, I don't know if that's the decision I would have gone with, but I respect you and I respect your decision, so I'll, I'll go with it. Man, that feels like nothing can break us apart. And ladies, desire to hear words of love and affirmation when I communicate to my to my wife, you are the only one, and I love you. I want to hear dot, 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 every detail. That strengthens and bonds us together. And this concept, uh, sorry, I, I'm not bright enough to come up with this yet. It's from this book, Love and Respect, by this uh, fellow, uh, Emerson Egricks. And, um, and so he talks about the desire that women have to receive love and the desire that men have to receive respect and it's, it comes from Ephesians chapter 5 as well and he also has a complimentary book that goes along with this how to communicate love and how to communicate respect um, to one another so I recommend checking those out if this is something um, hitting close to home so we must remember that God is a communicating God. Fellas, if I can be honest, as I look at Scripture, as I see the heart of God, I see God as a communicating God who desires to share himself with us. And so I think, ladies, often, I think you're doing a really great job, and you, you do well in sharing with us. And we need to really work on seeing the beauty of what's happening when we communicate well together, when we receive words from one another, and how that bonds us together. Words and conversations are tremendously important. Solomon will say in Proverbs 18, 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. I can destroy my wife with the words that I say, or I can build her up and strengthen her in the words that I say to her. The tongue is so powerful. We need to consider how we talk. Tim Keller, um, in his book, The Meaning of Marriage, just a, a brilliant guy. This one I took the cover off when I was reading it and lost it, sorry. Um, but you can still leave through it if you like. Um, in The Meaning of Marriage, he says this, and I love this, because marriage is a friendship. Friendship is a deep oneness that develops when two people, speaking the truth and love, sometimes we have to say hard things to one another, but we say it in love because we're on the same team and because we're journeying together to the same horizon. I love that image of like this beautiful horizon that we're after together. We're going there together. It's not her doing her life and me doing my life when we happen to be in the same house. We're going to the same place and we're going there together. And when one stumbles, it's my job to pick her up. And when I stumble, she picks me up and we keep moving forward. 
so some practical steps because I think I always think it's very, very important that we talk about very practical steps and things that you can do today. Number one, time. There has to be time. We give our best time to the things that we prioritize the most. So give time often, times to talking. Give time when it's needed most. If there is a tough or a discouraging day, you may have plans, but those plans might need to stop. I'm a guy that, like, when I, when I give a commitment, I'm, I'm like, I hate to break it. So if I tell people that, like, I tell my buddy I'm going to go hang out with him um, that, that I haven't seen in a while, I hate breaking that. But if I see my wife having an exceptionally difficult day, I might need to call him and say, you need to reschedule because I need to be home right now. That's so hard for me to do because I feel like I'm letting him down. I feel like he's going to be disappointed in me. Here's the reality. He's a guy pursuing the same thing, pursuing a good marriage himself. He gets it. I oftentimes don't think that, but he will get it. And he will respect what I'm doing when I say I need to be here for my wife. Schedule and prioritize time for dialogue. Keep, keep that that, that, that constant communication going with regularity. Uh, we prioritize the things that, and, and, and we, we make time for it, and we schedule time for the things that are really important for us. If you have a doctor's appointment, you don't miss it. If, if you have, if you have a, an important work meeting, you are there early. If you have the person that you have covenanted with for life that will be there when your job is not, that will be there, whatever, in sickness and in health. Schedule time, prioritize time. And we're going to talk later about some really practical ways that, um, that I do that and ways that you could maybe put that into practice as well. The other thing, attention. We live in a distracted age. Um, the spiritual formation books that are being written right now, the Christian living books that are coming out right now, many of them are honing in on the fact that we are so distracted that I have this cursed device in my pocket all the time, dinging and buzzing and saying, look at me instead of looking at your wife. And dear friends, that wasn't enough, having it in my pocket all the time, because sometimes I'm, oh, I'm forgetful, I'll set it on the kitchen counter, so I got a watch that does it even better. There are always a million things that are calling for our attention and calling us to take our eyes off of the priority that's right in front of us. We need to remove distractions. We need to have scheduled times where this goes in some box in my, in my house and this comes off my wrist. Phone might need to go in another room, especially when, when Lisa and I, we have time, uh, we, we, we set the time 8 to 8.30 uh, each night, if we go over, we go over, but it's 8 to 8.30, we're going to have conversation every single night, um, unless I'm, I'm here. <laughs> um, and, uh, and the phone goes in another room, because I know, that it, it's just a, it's a natural reaction to pull this out, because I do it a hundred times throughout my day, whether it's an email, a text, or whatever. I am, I don't even think about pulling this thing out of my pocket. And so when, I, when I'm with Lisa, it's not that I'm saying this phone is more important intentionally, but it needs to change so that I don't pull it out and communicate to her this is more important. For us, it's got to be when the kids are in bed. Um, because when you're starting to get in deep into a conversation and then they start throwing Legos at each other's heads, um, that's a quick way to put a halt on something that's really gaining some momentum. We don't want hiccups and we don't want other things that will distract us. 
look at each other. <laughs> this one does not come from a book. This one comes from real life. <laughs> this one comes from a marriage. So again, remember those, de- those dot, 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 every single details. Um, and so I'm hearing about uh, oh, just the exciting world of dental hygiene once more and uh, from my wife <laughs> because she's so passionate about clean teeth and I really value that. Um, she helps so many people keep their teeth pearly white. Um, but when I'm hearing some of her stories, uh, I, for a while, and, and she has really helped me in this, um, I have a mind that tends to be a little bit more in the clouds, thinking about theoretical, theological things, philosophical things, whatever. And so I start you know, just kind of contemplating these things up here. And I start looking up at the ceiling, and I, I start thinking about this thing that I may be studying in scripture or whatever. And she started telling me, like, hey, I'm over here. <laughs> Yeah, I'm listening, I'm listening, I'm listening. What did I say? Um, I think it was about teeth. <laughs> what were the details yesterday? <laughs> I need to look at her. When I look at her, I'm, I am holding eye contact, and I am saying, you are my focal point, and I am listening to you, and I'm valuing what we are doing right now. And I listen well. And I ask questions and I tell and I ask her, how'd that make you feel when that patient was super rude to you after you really went out of your way to help them out? How'd that make you feel? How are you doing right now? Is that sticking with you? How can I be helpful to you? How can I encourage you? Intentionality. Plan conversation topics. What are, what's something you haven't talked about in a while? Have you not talked about finances in a while? Um, is, is one of the things Lisa and I do is, is that uh, we just want to make sure that we are being as generous as we can, that we are steward, stewarding our finances as best as we can, um, the, 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 you know, wh- whatever. So we, we regularly just have that conversation. Maybe it's about the kids. How are we doing with them? Have we maybe lost sight of like um, working on memory verses with them or, or, or have we kind of gotten in a rut and praying with them or have we gotten into this place in which, in which we're just trying to like keep them alive and, we're not, and we've, lost, we've lost the effort of like really trying to form them into um, proper humans. <laughs> Follow up on the things that were said earlier. And so Lisa says something to me yesterday about something that went really hard today. I remember and I say, how was that? I'm saying I do all these things like I'm perfect. I'm not. Trust me. Okay. But I, hope, I just want to hope that that's out there. These are, these are ways that I'm learning and ways that I'm really trying to, to grow and get below the surface. It's got to be more than the rushed, chaotic, Someone's tr- working on dinner. Someone else is over here trying to fix this. The kids are screaming. How's your day? Oh, is it, I don't know. What was that? Okay, good. You know, and that stays shallow. There needs to be this time where time and attention can come together so that you can get deep into conversation to get close together and incorporate prayer and scripture. And dear friends, let me say that this is, I have found this to be one of the hardest things to do with regularity and especially to come back to when you get off track. I don't know why that is. At times I have felt pressure like, oh, family devotions. Does that mean that I have to preach a 30-minute sermon every night? That sounds like a lot. It does. I can't do that. But no, it doesn't need to be that. We'll talk about that on week three. Um, but I can pray with my wife. Quick uh, tidbit here, and I'll probably bring it up in week three as well. But um, there's this, this place called Backgate Prayers. Go to Backgate Prayers, and they will, they will custom a nice little picture that you send them on these cards. And they have prayers that you can pray for your children together. And they have prayers that you can pray for your marriage together. <laughs> and it takes the pressure off of you having to come up with everything. 
And that's been a gift to us. That's been a gift to us to just say, like, you take card, I take card. Let's, let's pray this prayer for our boys. You pray a prayer for our boys, and I'm going to pray a prayer for our marriage. And so backgate prayers, just really, really helpful there. Regarding conflict, no matter how difficult your spouse may be, you cannot blame your, your negative typo, your ne- negative reactions on your spouse. Um, this is uh, Emerson Egrix, again, from Love and Respect right here. And this is huge. This is huge. When we are sinned against, when we are hurt, our natural reaction is to retaliate, to go eye for eye. But praise God that that's not the way he treats us. When we, when we sin against God, he does not do judgment against us because he did it against his son. And in the same way that God shows us grace and mercy, offers forgiveness, how he bears with us when we keep doing the same dumb things over and over again. In the same way that he continues to bear with us, we are called to bear with our spouse. And we are responsible for our reactions regardless of what our spouse has done. So just a couple words on conflict, communicating through conflict. You need to be honest. You need to be honest about the details. You can't skew them. Um, a qui- an easy way to know if you're not being honest about the details. Are you using all-inclusive words? You always do this. I doubt it. I doubt it. You never, ever do this for me. I bet they do. I bet your feelings right now have made you forget that. But that's not honest. They have done things for you. They have given up for you. They, 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 they have loved you in ways. But right now, you're in a fight. Right now, there's conflict. But you cannot allow your emotions to distort the reality. Be current. Do not, when you're in a conflict right here about whatever it is, do not reach on back to two weeks ago, to two months ago, to last year when they did this. See, you did it again because you always do this. Remember three years ago, if that's been a settled issue and if conflict has been resolved, it's a done deal. Grace has covered that. Don't bring it back into the fight. Don't bring it back into the conflict. Deal with the conflict that's in front of you. In this situation, today, you did this and it hurt me. Deal with this. We cannot, it will never turn out well when you're trying to recall the details from seven years ago. That will not work out well. Attack the problem, not the person. Oftentimes, I'm frustrated at this thing, this thing that was said or this thing that was done, but I go after my wife. That is not godly and that is not right. I I go after her character. You don't care about me. No, stop that. Let's come back here. You said these words. And they hurt me. Okay, let's talk about the motivation. Did you intend to hurt me? Yes, but most of the time Lisa does not intend to hurt me. And most of the time when I say something that hurts her, I'm not intending to hurt her. I said something that was careless. Maybe I said words that were quick. Maybe I gave a response when I was over here looking at the butterflies again. And, and, and I wasn't sensitive. That happened today. Like, let's just go ahead and go there. Right? So I actually, Lisa called me. She had a quick break. Uh, she's got a, a coworker that's... Um, 
that, that just had a baby, and so they're just, everyone, it's just all hands on deck. And so she normally gets out at 2.30 on Wednesday. She was going to have to stay until 5, which meant that her last patient was gone at 5. She was finished. I'm she'll be home by 5.30. I knew that I was going to come here, that I was going to have to mess with all that mess of technology over there, trying to get my notes printed off. And my thought went to, am I going to be crunched on time? Am I going to be rushed? My wife has had a long week. Hard week. She's working long hours. She's helping people out, and she doesn't feel appreciated. And I say, "Well, will you still be home in time for me to get to where I need to be on time?" Oh, what I just said to my wife was, "My agenda and my priorities are more important than everything going on in your life right now. That's got you on the brink of tears." I hurt my wife when I communicated that. So I, I, I quickly realized that. And I confessed and I repented to her. I said, look, I recognize that was entirely wrong with me. Yeah, you know what? Maybe, maybe we just needed to coordinate because, you know, what time she would be home to make sure that I could be here for my responsibilities. Maybe we needed to call in a grandma to come on over. Whatever it was, what needed to be said right then was not, I need to get out of the house by 530. So are you able to make that happen? That was insensitive and unloving. What I needed to say was, Lisa, you're doing a really great job. I know that this is going to be a super long day, and I know that you weren't planning for this day. You're doing a really great job, and I really value your work ethic, and I really value the way that you are helping the people around you. That's what I needed to communicate, and I failed. So what happens when I fail? Man, what happens when we fail? We need to recognize it. Man, we need to be humble, get humble, and recognize it recognize when I'm not sensitive and say, I'm so sorry. Will you forgive me? Praise God, I have a gracious wife, and she did forgive me. And it's a done deal. I was able to give her a good hug and kiss before I left tonight, and it's not a thing. Act, don't react. Oftentimes, we're very emotionally wired people because God created us with emotions. The problem is when our emotions get in front of our head. When our emotions get in front of our head, oftentimes we say things that we don't mean and we do things that we don't really mean because we're acting as a reaction out of anger or out of hurt rather than acting and saying, this is how I should handle this. And saying, hmm, let me just take a quick second. Let me just pause and just say, am I communicating clearly? Am I being patient and kind? Are my words seasoned with grace and filled with love? And how can I address the problem and still call it out so that it's being dealt with? Pursue repentance and reconciliation. Be quick to ask for forgiveness and be quick to extend forgiveness. Remember, your friends on the same journey to that beautiful horizon. Extend forgiveness quickly so you can keep moving to that beautiful horizon. Most likely, neither spouse was entirely innocent. Perhaps you weren't the one that was the primary issue, but did you respond? All the way right? Were you patient and gracious? Was there no way that you could have helped your spouse recognize the way that you were hurt by what they did? Typically, there's something that each person can do a little bit better. Better. Check this out. Healthy marriages are not the ones without conflict, but the ones that handle the conflict in a biblical manner. Every marriage will have conflict. It's about how you handle it that makes all the difference in the world. Okay, let's, uh, well, here we go. Let's uh, spruce up here. All right, the intimacy part.
Let's dive on in. And, and here's the deal. Even as I talk about this, sex is a big issue. Sex is hugely important. There is a book in the Bible called the Song of Songs, which is similar to the way that the most sacred place in the temple is called the Holy of Holies, the most holy place. The Song of Songs is the greatest of all songs. And guess what its primary theme is? Sex. Okay. So, so this is something really significant, something that God takes really seriously, something that we want to take really seriously. And if we're honest, and if I'm honest about uh, many interactions that I have had with folks, this is often an area where there is, it is a more common issue than people will tend to say out loud, but there's also, because of embarrassment, a lack of saying it out loud. And so let me just recommend real quick, um, there's, a, there's a, a couple books here. Um, this one right here, Sex and the Supremacy of Christ by John Piper and Justin Taylor. I'm just talking about uh, the, the significance of sex in God's eyes and how he designed it. And this one right here is a super practical one. Um, there's a, a, a ladies' conference down in Indianapolis called the True Woman Movement. Uh, uh, Robin uh, McKelvey is a, a speaker there, and she wrote this book called Sick of Sex, Help for Ailing Intimacy. And so um, if there's a lack of desire, if, if, if things seem to not be there, and it's primarily written for, for women, um, especially if maybe, maybe there's not that same desire that there used to be or things like that, that's a really great help for that. So does intimacy just equal sex? Well, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Um, the Old Testament word for sex is yada, which literally means to know. And so when we see that intercourse has happened, uh, in the book of Genesis especially, it's all over the place, it says Abraham knew his wife Sarah, and they had a son. Adam knew his wife Eve, and they had the son. And there's something really significant that we don't want to miss out here. This is not purely a physical act. This is an expression, a physical expression of a spiritual unification and acting in the oneness that God calls man and woman to bring together. We are, we are physically representing the spiritual reality that God says that we have as husband and wife. We are, we are displaying that through this beautiful um, act. Sex is the climactic expression of knowledge of the other, oneness of the other with the other and unashamedness remember back to genesis chapter 2 where it says um, that they were both naked and they were unashamed oftentimes we feel shame because we feel um, all of these insecurities and inadequacies because of conflict we feel shame to be in that level of vulnerable place with the other but sex calls us to that unashamedness that is a part of god's very good creation order before the fall happened. Uh, the Song of Songs, once again, uh, many commentators will say that it is a poetic expression, a, a poetic exposition of the, the Genesis to husband and wife were, were one and were naked and unashamed. Um, they say that, that many commentators will say that, that uh, the Song of Songs is this poetic expression of that, an unfolding of what that looks like when man and woman dwell together in that physical harmony and more, more than just physical because song song is about so much more than just the physical there. But here's one of the things that, that I would like to highlight in, in song songs one, five and six, the lady speaker, the lady voice, she says, I am dark of skin from working in the sun. Uh, now very different culture from here. Uh, people did not go out into the sun in order to get dark skin and the rippling abs, uh, 
a little bit of a different perspective on those. Um, <laughs> and what that indicated was that if you had dark of skin from, from working in the sun and, and those rippling abs, then um, it meant that you were lowly, that you were a, a, a servant, that you were someone who had to go work out in the fields. However, if you were pale skinned and if you uh, had um, a little bit of uh, uh, padding and security, that meant that you were somebody who was able to eat and to recline. You were noble. You did not need to be out in the fields. And so she's saying, people mock me because I'm someone who has to work out in the fields. I'm a woman who has to go work out in the fields. Yet in Song of Songs 4, 1 through 8, we see the male's depiction of her. I'll let you read it for yourselves. Um, it is a declaration of how this woman, who's being mocked by other people, is the epitome of beauty where he talks about her from literally head to toe. And that's what we're supposed to have within marriage, that my, my wife is the epitome of beauty. Whatever she is, is what I'm into, and vice versa. And that's what is supposed to be within your marriage. Whatever your spouse is, is the epitome of beauty. Express that. Song of Songs is, uh, well, I suppose I already said this, so um, let me keep moving for the sake of time here. Your spouse, yeah, let's keep moving. Uh, and so here we go. Sex is a good gift. Yes, it's for procreation and expressing the covenantal unity of marriage. So here we go. First Corinthians 7. Do not withhold it or go too long without it because it's not about you. Don't go too long. Paul warns against that. You go too long and there's a chance that one of you uh, catches the fire of passion, to use his language. And that's not healthy. Don't go too long without it, and do not withhold it. He says, uh, the wife belongs to the husband, and the husband belongs to the wife. You are not your own. And so focus on your spouse's pleasure, not your own insecurities. And I recognize that can be really hard. Serve one another through it. Remember, this is a good note, righteous sex glorifies God. Some reasons that there's oftentimes difficulty with this, and I'll run through these quick. Sexual abuse in one's past can oftentimes make it really difficult to be vulnerable with somebody else. Premarital sex in one's past can oftentimes um, leave baggage that will need to be addressed going into marriage or in marriage. Unfaithfulness can be something that really pr provides difficulty in a relationship and is something that will need to be worked through, oftentimes with a counselor. Pornography um, can lead a man or a woman. The stats are ri rising drastically on, on women engaging in pornography, but, but that can cause you to find the epitome of beauty in others, to escape into this place where you're never told no or where whatever you want happens into this fantasy world. And it can diminish and disfigure the good gift that you ought to have with your wife. Lack of cultivating intimacy outside of the bedroom. It is not entirely a physical act. It's a culmination of expression of, of all of these other moments of, of sweet texts and, and dedicated time over here and, and uh, acts of love and romance. Unrealistic expectations. If you have a different understanding of frequency of what happens, that can be something that can provide difficulty and tension. Physical issues, hormone deficiency, pregnancy, 
low sex drive, substance abuse can do this, etc. So just be aware of some of the reasons that maybe that's there so that you can address some of the issues. So some practical steps in addressing sex. Be transparent and be honest. If there's something that you're struggling with, it needs to come out. If there's something in your past, it needs to come out. Repent if there's a place for repentance. If there's something that you need to repent of. Be gracious and patient, not defensive and angry. It can be easy to get just frustrated in sex and say, I'm just done with even trying. No. No. Stay patient. Stay gracious. Recognize that the conversation itself is a step towards working towards fixing the problem. Look towards future hope and what you're working towards, not the past failure. Consider a counselor if you need to. Plan. It can be a really helpful thing. Putting it on the calendar. I'm going to have date night every Saturday. Every Saturday night is going to involve this. It's going to be on the calendar. Both of you know that it's on the calendar. It's something that you can kind of get mentally prepared for or that she can get mentally prepared for. Um, and so, and so you, can, you can work towards it. You can start giving extra effort, um, things like that. Not that you don't give extra effort in other times too. You do throughout the week, but you, you at least are getting into that mental zone that this is something that we are working towards in our relationship tonight. Discuss frequency and expectations. Allow for flexibility. Sometimes there's going to be an interruption. Maybe, maybe that Saturday night is, is on the calendar and you get a call from the babysitter that a child is throwing up all over the place. Dear friends, you might need to be flexible. And that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> Plan for effort and intentionality. I love this one right here. Be romantic. That includes hygiene. And so, uh, Stuart Scott, like just a conservative, old-school, biblical counselor. He has a part where he talks about and where he gets on guys because it can be easy for us as we get into marriage um, to, uh, to stop giving the same level of effort towards our appearance, um, to maybe not be putting on the cologne in the same way, to putting on our nice clothes or ironing clothes or things like that. Give effort towards getting yourself ready to show that your wife, or for wives, for you to show your husband that I have done this for you, to serve you. Cultivate intimacy outside of the bedroom. Let's talk about that. And we're going to wrap up with this in the next five minutes. There is no cookie-cutter recipe for the perfect marriage. It does not exist. Growth happens best when biblical principles guide the practices of your particular context. We live in 21st century America, and so we ask the question, how do the principles outlined in Scripture, how do they apply to my particular context and my particular marriage between Lisa and myself? <coughs> Some practical rhythms. Notice, uh, again, we're kind of repeating ourselves uh, intentionally because it's important. Regular intentionality. Uh, this is um, something that was rec recommended to, to Lisa and I. Um, make kids really through loop into our rhythms of like how often we were able to spend together and, and rhythms with um, a date night and things like that. And so, so we got some help from an old guy that was super wise and he said, here's what you need to do. You need to have these four staples in your marriage. Every single day, as, it, as is possible, things will happen, but make it a habit that every day there are 20 to 30 minutes of uninterrupted 
says of interrupted conversation of uninterrupted conversation <laughs> not interrupted conversation that's not good so and that is so that means tech free so for lisa and i right now with a six-year-old and a three-year-old that means the kids are in bed that means the phones are in the other room it means we're on the couch it means i've got my tea <laughs> and i'm ready uh to to listen and to share 20 to 30 minutes that's not a long time that's not that long it usually flies by Include non-sexual physical contact in this process as well. Hold hands. And it doesn't have to lead to the bedroom. Hug, cuddle, that kind of thing. Display physical contact that doesn't have to end in sex. If it does, great. But it doesn't need to. Once a week, as you're able, pursue a date night. I recognize that that could come with cost if you need a babysitter. But, dear friends, I'm gonna, uh, in two slides, I'm going to show you how it doesn't need to involve a babysitter. So when we say date night, we mean that there are... There is something special happening that we are looking forward to and we are preparing for and we're giving effort towards at least once a week. And if you can't get out, good. Get out as often as you can. It's good. It's good to get out of the house. Quarterly, an overnight getaway. Go get a hotel in Indy. Send the babies with the, grandkid, with the grandparents. <laughs> Send the babies with the grandparents. They'll live. They'll be all right. And get away for a night because that's really important. And then annually, an extended vacation and or, if you're able to do both, that's great, um, a marriage conference or retreat. Get a weekend away at a, at a marriage conference. Um, Lisa and I went to one in Cincinnati and it was just fantastic. Um, there were good sessions, but then there was a lot of time for us just to explore Cincinnati. Go on an adventure together is awesome. And so if you're able to make that happen, make it happen. And I would suggest to you, Perhaps you need to budget a little bit differently and maybe some other things need to disappear in your regular spending habits to say that this is a priority because my marriage is a top priority in my home. I've been spending my money on all of these other collectibles or I've been saving up for this thing that I really don't need because I suppose a 60-inch TV will do and the 70-inch can wait. So whatever. So if other things need to be set aside, set them aside because your marriage is important. So if you need to budget differently, budget differently. But these are some things that can really play a big role in helping the health of your, family, your marriage. Technology, tool, or terror. It's on your slides. When it's used to unify, it can be a tool. When you can set it down for the evening, it can be a tool. When you send messages of love, text messages, voicemails, especially if you have a job that travels, that can be really important that you are having good communication and praise God for technology that it makes it so easy, so FaceTime or things like that. Use it as a tool to send messages to communicate your love and your devotion to your spouse. Shared cal calendars has been one of the most helpful things for Lisa and I with scheduling and being on the same page. It has helped our communication. <coughs> we have the same, we have, we have a shared calendar on our phones. And so if I'm talking with my buddy over here, I'm saying, hey, like, Friday night, let's hang out. I'm gonna put that on my calendar. She knows immediately that I have that plan. We can talk about it later. That's fine. If, if it's a tentative thing, I'll say, uh, let me check with Lisa if Friday night works or not, and I'll get back to you. I put it on my calendar so I know that we can talk about it. And if there's an issue, we talk about it and perhaps it disappears. All right, but it can be a really great thing to, to, to help because we used to have things where I'd say this Saturday I'm doing this. She said she was doing this on this Saturday. And then we find out, well, who gives in? And it was oftentimes a source of conflict. So consider that. Find my friend. 
I should never be in a place that I'm ashamed of Lisa knowing where I'm at. So she can locate me at any time. I'm okay with that. I should be okay with that. And likewise, I can see where she's at all the time. That's a great way to build trust and communicate trust. To say, I don't, I don't mind if you can see where I'm at. Look through messages on social media together. If you have a Facebook account or whatever, you should be able to scroll side by side looking at it and not be ashamed. And if you are ashamed, then your technology might be a terror. When it's used to divide, when it consumes your attention during family time, when it is private from your spouse, or when social media, check this out, or when social media tempts you to believe that the grass is greener in the other home or in the other marriage. It is not. Instagram will tell you that this guy is perfect because he just cooked a wonderful meal. Let me tell you, that guy is a sinner and he has baggage and he is not the perfect husband. I know Instagram might fool you to think that he is, but he is not. And it can be easy for us to use social media as this fantasy escape to think about a better life in another place with someone else. Do not fall into the trap. It is so, so, so dangerous. When it's an escape from dealing with the issue in your marriage. You have a problem and you start scrolling on your phone rather than dealing with the issue. It's dangerous. Uh, So real quick here, I talked about um, how... Your date night doesn't need to cost money. This is something um, uh, that that we do in our home. We have that little cute blue mason jar. It's got a bunch of little miniature tongue dispensers in there, and they've got numbers on them. And if we need to have a date night at home for whatever reason, can't catch a babysitter or whatever, we grab into that and we pull it out. And then I've got this long note in my phone that, that tells me what each number is. And there's some goofy stuff in there. There's some goofy stuff. We, we can both add, to, add a number. And the other can't say no to it. <laughs> we have things like a board game, which is just fun. Um, we, have, we have things like scrolling through the thousands upon thousands of pictures of our boys. Um, because oftentimes we take all these pictures and then we forget about them. And it's just fun to like go back and remember when we did this. And remember that day. And remember when those two goobs were being goobs. And that's just a sweet time that we can have together. But we also have some stuff in there like... <laughs> YouTube and art class. I am not artsy. And neither is my wife. So we are setting ourselves to do something that we don't do ever. That we really don't enjoy doing on our own. But we're going to do it together and it's probably going to end up real hilarious. And so this is something we can do. Be creative. You know your spouse better than any of these books up here knows your spouse. You know your spouse and their personality, their quirks and the things that you laugh about. Be creative and capitalize on those things. And so um, here's the homework, and I'm just going to let you look at it on your own. Um, but in the, again, in the next 48 hours, remove the distraction, set aside a, man, a half hour, 45 minutes, an hour, whatever it ends up being. Um, don't put a cap on the time. Um, remove the distractions, begin with prayer, and ask for gentle, kind, honest, and forgiving hearts, and start asking some of these very intentional questions. How has marriage been? How has communication been? How has intimacy been? Are there, are, have you been feeling let down in an area, but you haven't communicated it? And because you haven't communicated it, you've been harboring bitterness. And every time the night doesn't turn out the way you wanted the night to turn out, you feel hurt and you feel rejected, but you haven't said anything, so it keeps snowballing. 
let it out, have the conversation for the sake of two friends journeying towards that beautiful horizon together. Ask what practical rhythms could we put into our lives? How's technology impacting our lives? How can we grow together? And then make real specific plans moving forward. Last thing here, and then we've got uh, just a, um, this, uh, uh, just you can come up and peek at this here. But because of sin, the perfect marriage is impossible. However, your marriage can grow throughout your lifetime in how it embodies God's good, created design. Don't give up. Dear friends, it's so worth it. So um, I'm just going to throw these up here. Um, I, I, I kind of mentioned a lot of them, but just a couple of the other ones that I would mention. Um, this is a really great, this is what I use for premarital counseling, but I really recommend it. Um, because there can be some of those like really uh, just foundational things that you go through earlier on in life and you forget about them. And this is just has really great discussion questions to come back and say, how are we handling finances? How are we dealing with communication? So super good. Love it. It's a good book to read together too. Loving well, even if you haven't been. If there's some hurt or some conflict in your marriage, I really encourage you to check this out as well. Um, the 